Hello and welcome to episode number 35 of the Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and with me, as always, is longtime draft analyst Tony Pauline, wrapping up his 20th consecutive Senior Bowl. We just brought you the offensive breakdown of what we saw here in Mobile, Alabama. Now, we'll head over to the defensive side of the ball. Tony, what did you see in the defensive line that you liked? Well, like last week at the Shrine game, I really feel that the defensive tackle stood out, and they were the, uh, they were the big winners. Start off with Rennell Wren of Arizona State. I mean, he was dominant from the get-go. On Tuesday, he was winning out in battles in the one-on-ones. They were double-teaming him. He was still getting pressure up the field, still collapsing the pocket. Kind of tailed off a little bit on Wednesday and Thursday, but he was still playing very well. He's a big, powerful guy. I spoke with him for a little bit. He's an impressive physical specimen, someone that can line up at defensive tackle, someone that you can use as a two-gap end, someone that scouts really like because of his body type. I've talked to a couple of scouts. They were concerned because some of these pass rushers come out of college or tall, skinny guys and the defensive tackles are kind of sawed off shorter guys who are two down players. They think Wren can be the whole package. He's a guy who came into the season with seventh round grades. I'm hearing right now the worst he can go, we will go, or the latest he'll go is third round. If he works out well at the combine, he'll be a second round pick, which is where I have him graded. DeMarcus Christmas also had two very good uh, practices, especially on uh, on Tuesday, the first practice. He was, he was unstoppable, showed great power, used his hands very well. I think he jumped into the second day of the draft. Colin Saunders, the small school defensive tackle from Western Illinois, showed up at weigh-ins at six foot, one-half inch, 320 pounds, and was absolutely dominant. Got better as the week progressed. He was unstoppable on Wednesday's practice. He's explosive. He's got a great first step off the snap. Built low to the ground, so he naturally gets leverage on opponents. Showed great power, the ability to push some of the bigger offensive linemen back off the line into the pocket. Really turned some heads. Teams are comparing him now to P.J. Hall, the former Sam Houston State defensive lineman who had a great postseason last year and moved himself into the second round. I think Saunders can go third round right now. Kingsley KK of Texas A&M showed some uh, good things throughout the week, as did his teammate Daylon Mack, who really capitalized on a good week of Shrine Game practices by performing well here at the Senior Bowl. LJ Collier played defensive end. He was terrific. Great quickness off the snap. Showed a lot of moves with his hands and the ability to get off blocks. Byron Cowart of Maryland, who started his college career at Auburn, was terrific for all three days. Very powerful. Great punch with his hands. Great leverage uh, with the ability to bend his knees. I thought Charles Menehue of Texas also played very well. Zach Allen of Boston College started the week well and was getting the best of Dalton Reisner. By the end of the week, he had kind of tailed off and he was getting frustrated because Reisner was beating him, which ended up in a fight between the two on the field. Anthony Nelson showed that he's not an edge rusher. He's got to be moved inside the defensive tackle or potentially as a two-gap end. He's a powerful guy who's got to develop his game. Isaiah Bugs was up and down throughout the week. He showed some pass rush skills. He showed some quickness, but he also has to round out his game. Same thing with Jalen Ferguson. I was expecting big things from Jalen Ferguson this week. I got them on occasion. Most importantly, Ferguson has got to get stronger because when he was locked up in blocks, he could not get off. I did not see John Kamiski, the small school defensive lineman from Charleston, West Virginia, make many plays on the ball. Physically, he looks impressive, but he's got to start to make plays on the football field. I don't think he moved into the third round as people thought possible. Jonathan 
Jonathan Ledbetter of Georgia was pretty much handled throughout the week, as was Carl Granderson of Wyoming. And Auburn defensive tackle Dontavious Russell really had three difficult days of practice. You mentioned Ronell Wren, and he was somebody that we previewed going in, hoping that he would get more opportunity to show he was more than just a gap occupier, which is how Arizona State used him this year. He did that and much, much more, really showed off the elite athleticism that he has that's going to boost him to be potentially an early day two pick if he goes and he crushes the combine, which is certainly possible considering what he showed on the field this week. Kingsley Kiki. And Dalen Mack, as you mentioned, those two complemented each other very well at Texas A&M, and they did it again here. Mack, more of that sawed-off body type, as you mentioned, a guy who is kind of short, kind of squatty compared to Kiki, who's a first-step lineman, really can penetrate the backfield and do some work there. Both of those guys played extremely well this week. Obviously, Zach Allen struggled a bit. I know he's a guy that you really like, thought he could be a very good pass rusher and just an overall player against the run as well. You had him as a round one player, and you also had Jalen Ferguson as a round one player. You mentioned he had his ups and downs as well. Do you still rank both of those guys in the top 30? Top 32. I I think uh, with Zach Allen, it's going to be difficult for him. I still think both can end up in late part of round one. Remember, this is a year that's incredibly rich on the defensive line. This could, as I've said a number of times, this can be a historic year on the defensive line. So eventually guys are going to get underdrafted. I don't think that those guys did enough this week to really hold on to their potential mid-first round grades. If they get into round one, it's going to be the later part. One guy I didn't mention who was kind of up and down, I was not too impressed with, and I talked to people who were not overly impressed with him, was Montez Sweat of Mississippi State. Great college pass rusher. But a guy who was just too inconsistent this week. Well, yeah, he showed some good pass rush moves, but he also got handled by Titus Howard. Montez Sweat, I never graded him as a first-round selection. I still think he's going to go in the early part of round two. Now move to the second level here on defense and go over some of the linebackers that we were here. A couple guys that we were intrigued with coming in were the pair of Notre Dame linebackers, Tavon Coney and Drew Tranquil. Coney more of a... Uh, I don't want to say a limited athlete, but a guy who doesn't rely on his athleticism, just an instinctual player, whereas Tranquil is the better athlete who did need to show that he had some more awareness and instincts here this week. We had a couple non-Power 5 guys come in. That was Terrell Hanks of New Mexico State and Sutton Smith of Northern Illinois, who was a college defensive end and pass rusher, who was set up at linebacker here, was going to have to stand up over tackle. Jermaine Pratt of North Carolina State was a guy we were excited to see, especially in coverage. And Bobby Okariki from Stanford was an interesting prospect as well. We saw all these guys this week. Tony, what did you make of them and others? I think hands down Terrell Hanks won the week. I mean, he was incredibly athletic. He was very fluid. He showed excellent uh, ability moving in reverse during pass coverage drills. Uh, He's a guy who I gave a fifth-round grade coming into the week. A lot of people think he is now a second-day selection. Wouldn't surprise me. You mentioned Bobby Ogariki of Stanford. Loved his game. Quick, explosive, outstanding change of direction. The ability to redirect showed really no stiffness in his game at all. I thought it was a big win for him this week. I thought David Long of West Virginia played very well. Again, another guy that's very quick, covers a lot of area on the field. The question with him is size. He's built more like a safety than a linebacker. Is the team going to take a chance on him late in the late in the draft and maybe stick him in the middle as a run and chase linebacker? As far as the Notre Dame kids were concerned, Tavon Coney surprised me with his quickness. We know he's got he's got he's quick in the, between the ears and he's quick in his head, but his foot quickness and the ability to dart around blocks and get to the action, I was very impressed with and glad to see because I like the player. 
Drew Tranquil is the athlete that we saw. He's very explosive. He's very fast getting to the action. I thought he had a big week. Dre Greenlaw of Arkansas, a little bit smaller, 5'11 and a half, 230 pounds, but he's fast. He covers a lot of area on the field. He's very good and fluid during coverage drills. Basically showed that he could be a very good backup rotational linebacker at the next level. I was impressed with Ben Benagu of TCU. Came in at 6'3 and a half, 247 pounds. A guy who primarily was used up at the line, even out of a three-point stance at TCU. Showed the ability to make plays in reverse. Did a good job and was constantly around the action. Very quick and very explosive. Jermaine Pratt was up and down for the most part. He's got great measurables, 6'2 and a half, 240 pounds. He plays and runs in the four sixes. He just seemed late to react. I didn't get what I thought I was going to get from him in coverage. I I thought it was better on film than what I saw here. Uh, I don't think he did anything to help himself. Cameron Smith is a terrific football player, but he's not a great athlete. Someone described him to me as a throwback, but because of his limited athleticism, they said he may may have no place at the next level. Sutton Smith, the uh, pass rusher extraordinaire from Northern Illinois who basically made the switch to linebacker this week. You know, he gets high grades for effort, but he really did not show well. He was came in at under six foot, one half inch, 234 pounds. When they were using him as in pass rush drills as a stand-up linebacker, he was getting crushed at the point of attack. During coverage drills, he couldn't get his head back around to locate the pass in the air. You know, Sutton Smith, we got what we what we expected from him. I, I grade him as a six-round pick, and he looked like a six-round prospect who's a work in progress. But he shows that intensity. He's got a good, he's, you know, he's got a lot going on between the ears. So Sutton Smith, if he falls into the late rounds, is going to be a rotational linebacker who can be also be used on special teams. I spoke with a lot of people. The most important thing for Sutton Smith is getting hooked up with the right coach who knows how to use him and put him in a position to use his talents to their maximum. Sort of the way Teddy Bruschi was used. Sort of the way Mike Vrabel was used. Sutton Smith is obviously not a guarantee because of the size limitations, but it's going to have to take a special coach to put him in a position to get the most out of him for him to succeed at the next level. Now we'll take this to the back end here and we'll look at the cornerbacks and the safeties that we saw this week here in Mobile. The two most impressive cornerbacks that I saw who were there at least all three days of practice were Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky and Corey Ballantyne from Washburn. Ballantyne came out on Tuesday and he was exceptional. I mean, he showed speed. He showed the ability to stick tight in coverage. He displayed ball skills and really came out and immediately showed that he was deserved to be here and that he was not phased by the level of competition jump coming from Division II Washburn. He took a step back on Wednesday, didn't have quite as strong of a practice, but on Thursday bounced back a little bit, not quite to his Tuesday levels, but did show the same ability that he showed, not quite as consistently, but a guy who really came here and definitely won the week and improved his draft stock. Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky, he was a bit more consistent. He was good on each day. He's a long corner. He's got good change of direction ability. He was one of the few corners that was able to even keep Debo Samuel in front of him. In Thursday's practice in red zone drills, he was in tight coverage against Samuel. Samuel really couldn't separate, but he was very strong at the catch point and ended up beating Lonnie Johnson that way. But it was more that Debo Samuel was that good rather than anything bad that Lonnie Johnson did. 
Rocky Asin started the week well, was really good on Tuesday. Another long corner. He's more he's skinnier than Lonnie Johnson. He's a couple inches shorter. He's under six foot, but he has extremely long arms. I believe he was in the top three for arm length when it came to measurements here, which for one of the shorter corners is impressive. He's got skinny legs, but he's a guy who, again, shows good ball skills, uses his length very well, and moves very fluidly across the field. Now, Jimmy Moreland didn't practice all three days. He came in as a call-up, late call-up from the Shrine game, flew in on Wednesday, did the indoor practice first, and then came out Thursday, and he was awesome. I mean, he has some issues transitioning. He's not the best in reverse, not the most fluid in his backpedal, but when he's moving forward, when he's moving laterally, he was extremely good. As we mentioned on the offensive podcast, he completely shut down Hunter Renfro on Thursday. I'm not sure I saw Renfro catch a pass in Moreland's coverage. The two were matched up for most of the practice. Moreland had an excellent pass breakup at the goal line where he didn't overcommit to an early route break from Renfro and really just closed on the ball very nicely. So he continued to build momentum after a very strong shrine week. The other corners, for the most part, were somewhat disappointing. Mark Fields of Clemson, Tuesday, Wednesday, weren't so great. Thursday, he was better, showed a lot of quickness. He is a smaller corner, so he's going to have to rely on that quickness and athleticism. Showed that off in drills, wasn't as strong when it came to scrimmage. He was kind of in the mid-tier as far as the, uh, the corners here in Mobile. But the rest of the group struggled immensely in a lot of ways. Amon Marshall and Sheldrick Redwine from USC and Miami, Florida, respectively, they were used at both cornerback and safety. Marshall was a replacement for his teammate Marvell Tell, who had this back out of the game due to injury. Both guys were used at both positions. Neither really looked that impressive. Marshall got lost in coverage a few times, did show some good awareness as a safety in single high, calling out some plays from the offense here. Redwine struggled in ball skills, didn't move particularly well. I was very disappointed in what I saw from him. I was also very disappointed in what I saw from Penn State's Amani Oruwareye, whose name I still cannot pronounce, and Houston's Isaiah Johnson. Isaiah Johnson was listed as 6'4 on the Cougars roster. He measured in 6'2 here, which is still plenty good in terms of corner size, but he played like a safety in terms of his movement skills and his coverage ability. He was very stiff, struggled to stay with any of the receivers he was covering, didn't really make plays on the ball so I was extremely disappointed in him. Rawanye was constantly beat. He's almost 6'2 but he's not particularly long did not show that he had any ability to really cover here. The biggest disappointment to me honestly was Chris Boyd out of Texas. We've talked about him on the podcast during the season. We liked his game. We thought he was a good player but he just did not look comfortable in man coverage. By Thursday, it looked like his confidence was completely shot. He was playing eight yards off the ball on goal line situations when the ball was at the five-yard line, allowing short passes to really easily be completed. He struggled. He wasn't fluid. He was stiff. Couldn't really flip his hips to get downfield. Didn't show any great ball skills in either scrimmage or in drills. So to me, he was the biggest disappointment of the week. Tony, what would you make of the cornerback position? Let's start off with Jimmy Moreland of James Madison, who I've been gushing about for uh, two weeks now. You think I'm on his payroll, but I'm actually not. Built a lot of momentum for himself at the Shrine game, showing a lot of ability uh, over the slot receiver. As I posted last week, they said he's a sticky corner, which basically means he's constantly around the receiver. And as we saw on the last day of practice, he shut down Hunter Renfro. And Hunter Renfro is a fan favorite. is a guy who consistently comes away with the big catch. Uh, you know, uh, Moreland basically shut him down, which is really going to help him. Rock Yassin, I think, continued his momentum, which started at the beginning of his senior season. Yassin was not even graded by scouts coming into the year, completely ignored him. Right now, he looks like a second-day selection. 
Uh, Corey Ballantyne, I was very impressed with him. Had a great day of practice on Tuesday. Kind of fell off a little bit uh, Wednesday and Thursday, but it was positive. I didn't see bad play from Corey Ballantyne. In fact, I saw him do some different things well on Thursday than what he started the week with. His ability to jam receivers at the line of scrimmage and slow their release from the snap of the ball, which was very disruptive to them. I'm going to agree with you with um, what you said about three cornerbacks, Isaiah Johnson of Houston, Amani Ayoriway of Penn State, Chris Boyd of Texas. They're all guys who came into the week with third, fourth round grades. They leave the senior bowl more like five, six round picks. I was especially disappointed with the Penn State corner because on film, he's got size, he's physical, he's got excellent ball skills. He was almost tripping over his feet all week. And with Isaiah Johnson, I don't want, we don't want to be redundant, but it looks like a move into safety is in the offing because he could not make plays with his back to the ball. He was slow in transition. He shows limited quickness trying to stay with receivers off the line, and he's got to play in a system where he's facing the action. Now we'll take a look at the safeties here, and, and kind of like the corners, it was a crop of players who struggled a little bit to impress. It's a difficult setting for safeties to impress here. Obviously, there's not much hitting, so it's tough to see what they can do in run support. They're not meant to cover wide receivers in a lot of scenarios. That's the corner's job, so a lot of them will look bad in coverage, and it's not necessarily their fault. It's just that they're not built to cover slot receivers. They might be deep safeties. They might be strong safeties, whatever it is. One guy that does look like he's built to cover slot receivers and really showed a lot of quickness and cornerback-like athleticism was Mike Edwards out of Kentucky. He was probably the biggest winner of all the safeties here. Again, an excellent athlete, showed good ball skills, showed the ability to support against the run as well. So Mike Edwards is a guy who I believe is the number one winner at safety from this event, really helped his draft stock. His teammate Darius West, on the other hand, did not do so. He looked slow. He struggled in drills with his ball skills. He struggled in scrimmage staying tight with tight ends, staying tight with receivers, even staying tight with running backs. He really did struggle in coverage. So he's a guy who is going to be a very limited player at the next level. There's a lot of strong safety type of guys here, as you'll see as our theme kind of goes on. Nasir Adderley may not be a strong safety type. The FCS product out of Delaware came in with a lot of hype, a lot of people talking about him going in the first round. I don't really think he met that hype. He did show good discipline in the run game, showed good run fits on Tuesday, but he, again, struggled covering a lot of the receivers. That's not going to be his game covering over the slot. He's more of a single high deep safety. Did show some decent recognition, but overall I was a bit disappointed with Adderley. I didn't see the level of athlete that I expected to see, and whenever you have guys coming in from those lower levels, whether it's FCS, whether it's Division II, you really want to see them come out and dominate. A guy like Corey Ballantyne did that. Nasir Adderley did not do that. I'm not so sure he crushed his draft stock by any scenario, but he certainly didn't come in and look like a first-round prospect. Juan Thornhill from Virginia struggled for most of the week, really looked kind of stiff, didn't cover particularly well, so it was not a good week for him. It was also not a good week for Marquise Blair out of Utah. He is strictly a strong safety type of prospect. He could not really cover anybody. He was a little stiff, a little upright in his movements, didn't show great ball skills, lost connection with tight ends at the stem of their routes, and the tight end class here was not necessarily full of guys who are going to be very quick out of their route breaks and are going to create separation in that way. And Marquise Blair still struggled to stay with them, which was kind of an issue for him this week. Obviously, Jonathan Abram was supposed to play this week. He was here, but he was injured. He didn't practice all week. He was a guy that we were actually really excited to see heading in. So it was a disappointment, not in the way he played, but just that we didn't get to see him play. Two guys that kind of 
fell in the middle here, guys who didn't struggle terribly but also didn't stand out. Boston College's Will Harris and Miami of Florida's Jaquan Johnson. Both of them were a little bit up and down. Harris showed some ability over the tight end, showed some ability in coverage, and had decent ball skills both in drills and in scrimmage. Jaquan Johnson made a couple nice plays, got beat a couple times, but he's a guy who is very intriguing in that late day two, early day three, mid day three area as a player who might be able to cover a little bit at the NFL level. You're not going to want to rely on him. You're definitely not going to put him over slot receivers, but he's a guy who didn't crush his stock here, didn't knock it out of the park either, kind of held steady, him and Will Harris, but for the most part, outside of a couple safeties, there were mostly disappointments in this particular Senior Bowl week. Tony, what do you think? Well, let's start off with Jonathan Abram. Jonathan Abram was flagged during physicals and was not allowed to play. I was told that it's a shoulder issue. He's got an AC joint uh, problem with the shoulder, which, if that turns out to be true, is going to be closely inspected at the uh, combine. And if he falls on draft day, you know it's because of that AC joint in the shoulder. For the most part, I was pretty much disappointed with the safeties. The only guy who stood out to me was one you mentioned, was Mike Edwards. And it should be no surprise to anyone that reads DraftAnalyst.com because while scouts had given him a seventh-round grade coming in the season, I thought he was a third-round pick. Nothing new from Mike Edwards. He's been a terrific player the past two years at Kentucky. Tough run defender who is constantly around the ball, making plays in coverage, and shows outstanding uh, ball skills. You know, like Chris said, you can use him over the slot receiver. He's got free safety range. He's tough. He's physical. He's aggressive. Doesn't have the greatest size, but has enough size to play at the next level. Juan Thornhill had flashes, but he shows some stiffness in his game. I don't know that he goes in the third round right now. You know, you talked about Nasir Adderley, and I agree. I mean, people are talking about him as a top 42 pick, a potential first-round pick. I, I just don't see it. People were very impressed with his athleticism, but he's under 6 foot tall, came in at 5'11 and 7 eighths. He's under 200 pounds, came in at 195. His hands are under 9 inches, and his, uh, his arm is basically uh, is under 31 inches. So while he's a great, he's a terrific athlete, I think do believe he's got some limitations. The rest of the uh, safeties, I was impressed with some of the drills from Jaquan Johnson, but he's really got to pull it, the entire game together. I was impressed with the run support of Darnell Savage and his uh, burst, but he really uh, has, didn't show well uh, in coverage. Carrie Willis showed me nothing as far as coverage skills are concerned. A lot of people like Will Harris. They say he's very athletic. I met him yesterday. I spoke with him at length. An impressive young man. I hope he does well at the next level. I just didn't see a lot of quickness and coverage. i got to be honest. I, I didn't see in those one-on-one drills that he had the ability to burst out of his plant and really defend passes against tight ends or running backs. More of a zone type of guy at the next level. Six one and a half, two 207 pounds could be used as a traditional strong safety. And that's it for the 35th episode of The Draft Analysts, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? That's now seven podcasts in the books for us here at Senior Bowl Week in Mobile, Alabama. Would have been eight if not for inclement weather on Wednesday, pushing practices inside and forcing us to rely on the coach's film rather than the live action that we get to see at Lad People Stadium. But regardless, I think this has been a great week. It's been a lot of fun, Tony. It's been good to be down here covering the game with you as we have been for the last three years, at least on my end. Obviously, Tony's streak is just a little bit longer, but we're looking forward to continuing to provide lots of coverage throughout the pre-draft process. 
We're going to bring you all the news as it comes in. We're going to bring you, obviously, detailed information from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. And we're going to just continue to bust out our scouting reports, bust out information on background of these players, and really get to the bottom of the mystery that tends to surround the NFL draft and where these guys are going to end up. On behalf of Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi signing off for the final time from Mobile, Alabama.